everybody, and welcome back. It's episode 28 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, and when we say songs, we mean a bunch of songs. I am Sarah D. Bunting. I am here with my co-host, Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Hello, hello, hello! Uh, Mark brought us this week's theme episode. I mean, it's sort of not really a theme. It came from a place of very interesting inspiration. So I'd like him to talk a little bit about that. But first, I would like him to talk about a little something that happened to us as a result of episode 27, which was about She's Like the Wind. Mark, take it away. Oh, my God. Okay, so as you may recall, if you're listeners, uh, longtime listeners, uh, they... You guys, hey, it's live. What can I say? As you might recall, if you are a regular listener to this podcast, last week we discussed She's Like the Wind, and we had the amazing band The Shondas on as our guest, and the Shondas posted the episode on their Facebook page, and who should comment on their Facebook page about our discussion of She's Like the Wind, but none other than Stacy Weidlitz, who wrote She's Like the Wind. You guys, the oh my actual... God! The actual songwriter got in touch with us to say how much he had enjoyed the episode. He provided all of these other fun facts, like the fact that he and Wendy Frazier had broken up before they actually recorded the official video, and it was awesome. I forgot there was that whole whole personal connection, too. Yeah. So (laughs) I feel like this was, in a way... Wendy down goes Frazier. I I can't (laughs) stop with that. It's the worst joke. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But I just feel like that, in a way... Although I did not realize it until it happened, that was the moment that everything else in my life had been leading me towards. So, Stacy Widelitz, you are awesome. Thank you for listening. Thank you for commenting. Stacy, not Keech Widelitz. Exactly, yes. which is how he signed up. Which is how he signed off from one of his comments, which was amazing. And so, um, just a reminder that even if you didn't write one of the songs that we are talking about on our podcast, we would still love to hear from you on our Facebook page, which is Mastas podcast on facebook so give us a shout sarah makes a great point we would love to hear from you we love chatting with people in all contexts uh about songs so today's theme is lefty folk songs uh folk songs that have some sort of liberal left-leaning bent to them and that is a massive genre, but it is one that has caused, I think I can speak for both of us here, Sarah, it has caused both of us to do a lot of thinking recently, uh, because we've had occasion to have a particular left-leaning folk song <laughs> stuck in our mind for weeks. Would you say that's correct? Oh my god, yes, for weeks. And <laughs> adapted as well. Yes. Like, to, to little situations in our lives. Um, let's go back for a second. Uh, Mark and I, I do another podcast called Extra Hot Great uh, under the aegis of Previously.TV. That's my main job. And on Extra Hot Great, Mark, who is a frequent guest, recently presented a TV episode for our TV canon. It was an episode of The Real World New York, the original, the very first season, at which the theme of that episode was absolutely like political action and feelings on the part of the cast members. One of these scenes is a pro-choice rally is this where we oh no yeah it's it's um, sort of unclear in the editing is it the pro-choice rally or is it some other rally but it's sort of a pro-choice gay and lesbian everybody into the pool rally on the show at least and a folk singer is singing the um 
utterly artless, utterly like simplistic song that we only hear one snippet of we are gay and straight together and we are singing singing for our lives and this has now been it is such an earwig first of all and second of all this has now been adapted in my house by my husband who doesn't even listen to any of these podcasts (laughs) has no idea why he's singing we are cats and people together we are meowing meowing for our food and then he's like why am i fucking singing this and i'm like i i don't actually know because this is not a great song but before we get into all of that i think um let's just take a moment now to do a little listening to a clip of the song which was written and originally performed by a woman named holly near in the 70s so let's just take a moment to listen to that clip now and then I'll fill you in a little bit more on what has happened since that episode of Extra High Great. So, when I brought this song up on Extra High Great, I just did it as a throwaway joke in my discussion of the larger episode because I just thought, well, that's the greatest example I've ever heard of a simpering, <laughs> well-meaning but terrible song. And Humorlessly, then we, pinkosity, yes, absolutely. We like, then we riffed on it for a few seconds about if you listen to it three times in a row, then you immediately are going to find yourself wearing a floor-length linen skirt dyed with blackberries Etc. Yes. Etc. Well, the commenters <laughs> on Birkenstock, Birkenstock, Birkenstock. <laughs> exactly. The how did I get this box of Luna bars? So, oh God. <laughs> the, the commenters on Extra Hot Great, however, were uh, some of them took umbrage with our quick dismissal of the song, and I will admit I had never heard this song before, nor did I think to do any research because I just assumed incorrectly that it was just some random thing that some random person was singing at a protest but it turns out that that song has a very rich political life it was written around the time of harvey milk's assassination and holly near sang it as a way of giving crowds of protesters something to sing in unison to identify themselves as either members of the queer community or allies of the queer community and of course in the 70s that was a much bigger deal just naming yourself was a much bigger deal and also and you can also hear her in the full song which we will of course link to in the um on our facebook page in the show notes you can hear her prompting like that this is such a staple of folk songs too i think yes um versus like a talking blues or what have you right uh there are there is that like communal aspect of it and that shared emotion and this cat meowing i know she loves it too we are um, cat and stray together around here. Um, so, yeah, I found that very, the version that we heard was very easy to dismiss and make fun of, I agree. But I found this very um, affecting in its purpose yes. of inclusion. Yes. And I feel like what it made me think a lot about is the purpose of the lefty folk song, right? To what extent does context define our aesthetic response to a song like this because fundamentally 
I still don't think that this is a good song. It is very... In, but then I realized the things that I don't like about it, that it's sing-songy, overly simplistic, really, really blunt in its politics, those are the things that make it work as a thing that you sing with a massive group of people on the Washington right. Wall. And that it's very, like, there aren't a whole lot of big runs up and down octaves. Right. That it's, it is, I mean, it is sing-songy and simplistic because it has to be so that everyone can kind of... There is a um, sociological term for the phenomenon of how everyone will end up in the same key on Happy <laughs> Birthday. Like, literally, no matter how fast you sing it, this will, this will happen. Um, so I think that that's definitely a part of it. But then... And also, hearing Holly Near sing it, she has a beautiful bell-toned voice, this, like, Judy Collins timbre right. that was certainly much less, I don't know, <laughs> grating in that commie way. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't make fun of community organizers, but they, they really make it a little too easy for us well, sometimes. Well, yeah, to because that. that's the thing. All of those things are true, but I still, in my heart, am making fun of this song. And so that is one of the things that I... That's why I suggested that we do this whole theme this week about... So Sarah and I have collected a variety of different clips from a variety of different lefty folk songs. And I think the, the hope is that we're just going to talk through and try to parse out for ourselves what makes for us individually like or dislike a lefty folk song. And I will say that for me, just as a person, I am not someone who is going to attend a rally... By and large, I have in my lifetime done that, but I actually feel more connected to causes when I am in small groups. And there is just something about my personality that shuts down at the idea of group singing of protest anthems. Like I just, and I don't in any way. So your so your scene would have been like living room feminist consciousness raising from like hell yes 1967, where you'd burn your bra and then drink some Chablis because that's yes, or that like, would be where I'm at. Or, or like the early 80s meetings of ACT UP, I think, where there were like 10 yes. gay guys in a room like doing... St and, and so, you know, I just am not someone who's ever going to respond to choral singing, group singing of this way. But I feel like that I wanted to bring another song in for you to hear, Sarah, because this song and its intentions, again, totally noble, but we are gay and straight together... Uh, Singing well, for our lives is this. It, it's like before we do that, I I want to I want to bring in another one of my songs at this point. Oh, okay, Something great. that you just said really reminds, uh, really I think is relevant to listen to it now. Okay. Versus later because you're talking about the experience of singing in a group and that you don't respond to this choral style. Right. But when I was listening to Holly Near, I was very much reminded of Alison Krauss's version of. Uh, down to the river to pray. Yes. Which is, I think, beautiful. And I was raised in a Baptist church. Yes, we have those in New Jersey. <laughs> I was too, down south. And I just kept thinking, like, what is it about the Allison Krauss that I find, like, that my hands go up almost like this Ouija board, not controlled by me, response to this? And then. Right. There are so many similarities. Let's listen to a clip right now, and then I'm going to try to figure out why the Holly Near take on this group experience of singing that everyone is supposed to share and be inspired by is annoying. Yes. And this spiritual is 
beautiful and essential to me. So let's listen to it. I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sinners, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sinners, let's go down, down child amen I'm yeah mean. me too me too sarah it's like little we, hairs standing up it's so beautiful just oh, that God, 30 just seconds and and you're right so it's like it actually clearly now complicates what i was saying before because yeah this type of group singing which is not in a massive group of like thousands of people on a field but it's still like this type of choral singing is incredibly moving to me sorry carry on um well and, but why is that? Like, let's yeah. talk about, I think part of it is the harmonies. Yes. Um, Alison Krauss also has a beautiful, like, ribbony voice, very clear timbre. Um, and this, you know, the God, history her voice is, of is this song. Perfect. Yeah, her voice is always perfect. Like, even songs that are a little cheesy, like Jubilee, like, she, she sells it because she's such a pro. But there's something about this, like church tradition underground railroad tradition and sort of bringing me back to a certain sunday in my childhood when you know we didn't go to the passaic river to be confirmed because we didn't want to die but there was a dunk tank basically under the choir loft and you would descend and there the choir was all around you on the edges and they would be singing Ooh. as you like affirmed your belief in god and then Reverend Tinker would dip you and then you were a member in full standing of the congregation and it was like, you're in eighth grade, so you've been sort of making the jerk-off motion about it um, for weeks leading up to it, but then it is very moving and there is that experience of being a part of something that I think they share. Yes. I'm just not, I'm not sure why the Holly Near version loses me or the like lefty folk um like march take on this loses me but then the the church version right works for me what okay. do you think what do you think is going on there because i i've been thinking about it all day and i don't yeah okay go with me on this so do you remember at okay. my at my wedding when the entire room sang that song i am so blessed yes Okay, that was one of the most Stiff. like emotionally <laughs> that was one of the most emotionally powerful moments I've ever had in my life. Obviously, most of you listening to this were not at my wedding, so let me tell you that um there was a point in the wedding where my husband and I turned to face our gathered congregation of community and we all sang a song, a very simple hymn called I am so blessed to one another. And it isn't a very religious song. It, there's no mention of God because that's just not the kind of people that my husband and I are, but we are people who feel consciously grateful. And there's something about singing to these, I will never forget looking across the room. I remember very clearly Sarah saying you uh, and just saying the words, singing the words, I am so blessed. I am so grateful for all that I have to all of those people. And that was me participating in a moment of choral singing. So I think that there is something about, again, it's about context. And I think that there's something about the context of a smaller church setting or a wedding and there's something about the lyrical context of a song like I Am So Blessed or um, Down to the River that 
it's so personal and it's not necessarily trying to make anyone else agree it's just someone making a that's true a, 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 someone making a genuine personal statement doesn't feel like a call to action and that i think is what sort of i feel like that for the holly near song although it is powerful in its way i am a little resistant to an issue that's so meaningful and so powerful being reduced to something that is so in a way clunky lyrically and it it's like don't give me instructions in such a sing-songy childlike way i i think that's it i think there's something about i feel the cause is too important for this sing-songy crap but then i know that other people don't feel that way so i you know i don't want to deny that other people would be very moved by it but i think and I actually, this is the perfect segue, if I may, Sarah, to to complete this point about lyrics, that I'd like to segue Uh-oh. to a song that you've never heard before. But my friend Aaron, who you might remember as the one who had the luscious Jackson streak in her hair and also brought yes. us uh, La Freak, she was in Girl Scouts. And she, in high school, after she was out of Girl Scouts, could not get enough of playing for my, myself and some of our other friends from high school the following song called Heroes by Anne Reed, which was played for her at a Girl Scouts retreat one time, and it was meant to get all of the girls in the room to be excited about the long lineage of women in history. So I just, Sarah's never heard this before, but let's just listen to the final minute of Anne Reed's Heroes. Oh, God. Sojourn Truth, Eleanor Roosevelt, Catherine Hepburn, Sally Wright. Susan B. Anthony, Harriet Tubman, Annie Sullivan, Gertrude Stein, Greta Scott King, Amelia Earhart, Lillian Hellman, Arthur Keats, Sacagawea, Ella Fitzgerald, Golda Meir, Dorothy Dix, Louisa May Alcott, Billie Jean King, Emily Dickinson, Lucy Stone, Margaret Sanger, Clara Barton, Billie Holiday, Juliet Lowe, Elizabeth Blackwell, Rosa Parks, Lena Horne, Beverly Sills, Barbara Jordan, Helen Keller, and Debra Gandhi, Agnes Jamila, <laughs> Corazon Aquino, Gloria Stein, Rachel Carson, Joan of Arc, Babes <laughs> of Harriet, Marlena Dietrich, and Frank Simone. Helen Keller. Um, so, Sarah, would, thoughts? Would you like me to respond to this unvarnished? <laughs> yes, please. This is a bullshit list of lady names <laughs> that is even worse than we didn't start the fire. At least, fuck it, Billy Joel came up with some verbs. <laughs> but do you see how there is like a certain type of nauseating political similarity between that and we are gay and straight together. I don't know. In my mind, there's a, like, there's like an unfortunate connection there. I mean, there. I will, I will give her credit. Like this is, this is an unpleasant, unpleasant to listen to musically. And I will give her credit for getting Sacagawea to scan. I bet that took weeks. I bet there was a fucking pin board and note cards. And she's like, God damn it, Sacagawea. Where do I put you? Who has a similar scansion? Oh. Ella Fitzgerald. Thank God. <laughs> Like, it really, I mean, it is very well-meaning, but I think there is something, there are so many similarities, like the Venn diagram is really almost a full eclipse between these two types of songs, that there is that same inclusiveness, each verse addressing a different group. Um, yes, yes. 
each verse like similar enough that you can pick it up and figure out what's going to be next. The exhorting everyone to not necessarily literal like democratic action, but um, it is it is an exhortation. Sometimes they can be lamentations in the case of um, in the case of some gospel songs and spirituals. And but yet, <laughs> there's this lecturing tone, or this like it's like apple polishing tone. Like there is a smugness to to it sometimes that is not intentional, I'm sure, but is never present in like spiritual and music and hymns that I can find. I mean, yes, occasionally in some like Christmas hymns, like. They're like very sort of smugly, like Isaiah was foretold it. Like, well, okay. But like the the what the thing <laughs> it that still I cannot, ended badly. Whatever. The thing with the gospel stuff compared to this is like, yes, that's that smug, like earnest. Oh my God, it's just so joyless and so completely unself-aware. It's just like so earnest and just so uncool and i it's like god bless you yes all of these women i, I guess even corazon aquino and you want to talk about I, things that I your mean... husband my husband and i are always like <laughs> then we will go and see madonna and then share britney spears kristen Jenner with i mean why not oh my god yes absolutely <sighs> but you let's could just do like, with anything you it's just like, like Detectives on Law and Order. Lenny Briscoe, Michael <laughs> Logan. Benjamin Bratt. <laughs> and their captain, she's a girl. <laughs> Stephen Hill recently died. Um, but I just feel like the complete lack of self-awareness and the, the lack of humor. Like there's, This is a song you cannot imagine anyone singing this song or the Holly Near song while also being able to laugh at themselves. This like Well, yes, that if we change the lyrics in the presence of someone who we're just singing like we are out of chocolate cookies. This occurred last night, PS. That they just be like blank like do you think that's amusing? Are you aware that uh, Mr. Milk was killed because people I know. like you laughed in the face of blah, blah, blah? I'm like, I have never laughed in the face of homophobic violence in my life. Well, but and your song is bullshit. Well, and that's just it. It's like, I, exactly, because I am gay. I have done so much. I have tried in my life to fight for the cause. I also consider myself to be as much of a feminist as a man can be. I never want to do anything in the world to create or perpetuate misogyny or homophobia but i cannot pretend in that quest that i think that these songs are anything less than earnest joyless hilarious crap that are just basically ripe to me to be mocked like i would love to see a drag queen do something with that list of oh women earth a kit quarters on a key like and also earth a kit girl yes you were great and you survived a lot your backstory was wild but earth a kit and simone de beauvoir and joan of arc do these three names go together? I don't. I don't know. I I'm not super a hundred on on that. Uh, but I just like to say before we move on to some folk songs that you contributed that you actually enjoy. Yes. You know who would fucking kill this while being like a thousand percent ironic about it? Manila Luzon. Oh yes. Or Jubilee actually. <laughs> Jujubee. Yes. Jujubee. Why? Why did I say Jubilee? Oh, Alison Krauss. Yes. 
I would. What I would not give. But okay. Should you be on Jubilee? Please make this happen, <laughs> universe. Please. So now I do, but because of this, I didn't feel like it would be fair for me to front like I don't have a deep and abiding love for lefty folk music because there was a period in my life when it's all I listened to, and I still listen to it a lot. So now I wanted to, th I, that got me thinking, well, what types of songs like this do I like? And that brought me to an Indigo Girls song called It's All Right, which is from their album Shaming of the Sun. That's the one that features the song Shame on You. And I chose this song specifically because like the Holly Near song, it talks explicitly about the creation of queer community. But uh, let's listen to this song and then I, we can talk about the clip. It's all right for days of rain The skin stretched out from the growing Again, that song very explicitly says, it's all right if you hate that way, hate me because I'm different, hate me because I'm gay. Same basic message, same earnestness. But for me, a couple of things make this song much, much better. One is that there is an actual rhythm. There is musical <laughs> complexity. Like there's some stuff happening with the harmonies. It's not just like, let me plunk out my piano. And well, I have and it's personal. This is yes. also something that you brought up earlier. And I was thinking about this last night in relation to, I don't even remember what, not this, actually. I think it was about um, some TV show. It doesn't matter. But there's that expression about, like, if you create art intending it to be universal, too universal, mm. then it won't really appeal to anyone. But if yes. you create a work that's very personal, then it can appeal to anyone. Yes. That I'm phrasing it incorrectly, but you understand the basic principle that I'm talking about. So I am not a huge fan of this joint, actually, because it, it, it is actually a musicality thing. Like, I love the girls. I love the fact that they have earned being earnest, and especially on their first album, which I wore out listening in high school. Um they are much more sort of like opaque and poetic about these same issues. Right. But I also like it when they get a little honky tonk. There's just something about the honky tonk, like get on this song. It's like a little too close to life is a highway, but then there's these lyrics that are very <laughs> direct. I respect the song. I totally see why people would like it. It's just for some reason, it's not quite working for me. Right. But um, when did this album come out? This album recent, came eh? out in 2000. No, I'm sorry. This album came out in 97. Okay, but that's still well past. Well, I guess it's not that far past. But Life it was definitely like, this was the last of their, what I would consider to be early run of albums that everybody listens to. It was kind of right. like, this album was the last one that I feel like was the zeitgeist of the Indigo Girls. Gotcha. As much as they were Where, ever in the zeitgeist. Which album was Galileo on? Oh, that's on uh, Rites of Passage. Okay, which and was which was their third studio? Oh well, depending on it was it was their third or fourth studio album, depending on how you want to count it. But anyway, that was immediately before the album that had least complicated on it. Okay, and immediately after the album that had hammer and a nail on it. Okay, so we're we're when 
in uh, time and space. Oh, sorry. <laughs> right. You mean you didn't spend as much time as I did thinking about them? So th this song that we heard the clip of was 97, and uh, Galileo was like 92. Okay. Because Galileo, I sort of feel, is this like... Th it does for me what many folk songs like try to do right. and fail, because it's right. talking about the journey of this great mind um, thwarted, and how we all have to sort of, you know, deal with that in our daily lives. And it's just a really fun song to listen to and drive during. Yes. And oh my God, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, they can definitely do this. This particular, this particular one doesn't do it for me, but I think I just gave you a, a segue bounce into our next clip. I did. If you, you did. want to take it. But I, I specifically brought this Indigo Girl song just because they say, gay in it which was a, actually a rarity for them through this period so i was like okay that's that's a good yeah one. that's but, true but point taken absolutely so then the other one um the the other idea here being not just musical complexity but lyrical specificity and lyrical complexity uh, i wanted to bring in a song that is also about feminism in the way that heroes is about feminism this is when i was a boy by Dar Williams. This is the entire first verse. So this clip is a little longer than we usually play, but I felt like it was important to hear the whole story of the first verse of Dar Williams, When I Was a Boy, Here We Go. I won't forget when Peter Pan came to my house, took my hand. I said I was a boy, I'm glad he didn't check. I learned to fly, I learned to fight. I lived a whole life in one night. We saved each other's lives out on the pirate. As a boy, I scared the pants off of my mom, climbed what I could climb up. And I don't know how I survived, I guess I knew the tricks that all boys knew. been thinking about this word a lot and i'm going to use it to describe this song i think this song is a masterpiece i think that the lyrical specificity that manages to also be incredibly universal that, that tells a particular story about a yes. particular character but is also incredibly metaphorical about the experience that we all have of being told that because we're one gender or the other in the eyes of the culture that we're not allowed to be a certain way is so yes. beautiful and for those of you who don't know the song, the very last verse features the man that she's been walking with and talking to, responding to her and saying, talking about what happened when he was a girl. So that the song is not only about the way that gender conformity can destroy and push down the humanity of women, but that it can also do the same to men. So that gives the song an empathy and a scope that I find incredibly beautiful. The, the lyrics, the melody, I just think it all... To me, this is just a perfect song, and it, and it does so much and says so much about these issues in a way that is both politically and artistically inspiring. That, those are my thoughts, Sarah. Um, I agree with all of those thoughts. I think, the, I think the specificity of it is 
uh, remarkable that you can, within four bars, absolutely envision the night on which this took place, the yes. arrival of Peter Pan in her room, her un like uncomplicated, not even joy, but just acceptance that she is a boy, she can do the things that boys do, and now, you know, now she must in order to defeat a dread pirate. And then later on when her neighbor is like, you need to put a shirt on. And she's like, why? And you could just sort right. of imagine like a spill of dandelion fluff, like in a sunbeam while she's singing, like the guitar just creates this universe. Yes. And here's another thing that's very interesting to me that going back to, I believe, episode four or five of Mastass, which was Jeweler Dome, that there are some similarities there. That mm -hmm. they have a similar, like, tone, not of their um, literal voices, but um, of their, like, of their approach to the material, like, the, the chording progression is similar. Right. Um, there are similar, like, runs of imagery, but this is so much less produced and less precious and less of, like, a college workshoppy list right. of things and sort of, like, distilled like feelings with a registered trademark next to it like this is actually not that far away from the pride of fairbanks and yet it's worlds away it's yes. worlds away because there is a sincerity to it but not but there's also a, a humor and a like a i don't know i mean i agree with you this is a masterpiece i felt like i wanted to walk into this song because i had been seen by it Oh, perfectly said. Yes. Feeling a little emotional now, actually. Me too. That's yeah. that's what we do here. We make each other cry. Good <laughs> good work. <laughs> oh, boy. And thank you for bringing me that song. I think I had probably heard it, like, on in a coffee shop. It right. sounded familiar, but I hadn't been listening to it, like, aware, like, active listening. And... uh I'm I'm glad that I got to do that, and I'm glad that now I know the song. Oh my God! Well, I'm delighted. I'm so I'm thrilled. I'm so glad that you like it. And listeners, to me, this is the type of folk song that I really like, <laughs> as you can tell. So, well, I'm, I hope that you like it too. I kind of wish we could close on that note, but we've got one more song to discuss, and this was a song. This is by uh, Simon and Garfunkel, who. I forget when I got the box set. I think it was in college. I mm -hmm. think it came out like 93, somewhere in there. And there was stuff like, my parents used to live in the city and their apartments were broken into like four or five times. And they had the same Simon and Garfunkel records stolen every time. And eventually they just stopped replacing anything except Bridge Over Troubled Water. Solid choice. I love that album. But all of that folk stuff, like Peggy-O, that they used to, that they used to do, like in the village, like I had never even heard of that before. They didn't play it on the oldie stations, and our mother used to tell us about this song that they had on one of their albums that was a mashup, and this is you know 1967, I think this came out, a mashup of the Evening News and the two of them singing Silent Night, and how affecting it was because of what the evening news was saying at that time about life mm. in these United States. And I remember thinking that was a really cool idea, and especially, like, Art Garfunkel singing a 
Christmas Carol. Like, he just has that beautiful soaring tenor, and I was like, mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear this. And then, well, let's listen to it, and then we can talk about um, evolving receptions of songs in our lives. Here's the Sure. can sort of hear in this clip um, is that the volume of the news is steadily getting louder and that there have Mm. been some, I think, production effects put on it to crisp up. um, I don't know who this is. It could be Cronkite to crisp up the newscasters tease and Mm. make it like make it much more of a struggle to sort of be soothed by the familiar and beautiful sound of silent night uh, which, of course, is supposed to be ironic. When I first heard this, I, I mean, I did find it very affecting. The news that's going on, like the Richard... I mean, Richard Speck didn't just stab them. Like, right? those murders were horrific. Earlier in the song, you hear about um, Dr. King, who at this point in our folk story is still alive. He won't be for long. Former Vice President Richard Nixon, like, you can imagine what it was like to listen to the news at this time. Right. I'm interested to hear your take on it because I I do I am less fond of it than I used to be. This song. Yeah, I love a lot of Simon and Garfunkel songs. Like as a human being with a heart and a <laughs> and a, yes. a, a properly functioning nervous system. Of course, we've all I love been it. the only living boy in New York. That's right, and we have all sailed on Silver Girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That was a quote of my yearbook page. <laughs> yes, it was. That verse. Oh, my God. Yes. Your time, your has, time come has come to yeah, shine. All oh, your dreams are on their way, girl. See how I they shine. and remain a cheesy mofo. Anyway, well, please continue. If it makes you feel any better, in my high school yearbook, I quoted a 10,000 Maniacs lyric, uh, the bridge of the song, These Are Days. Oh, These sure. are the days you might fill with uh, these laughter until you break. These days uh-huh. you might feel a shaft of light make its way across your face. That was my yearbook. So make I'm, its I'm way. That is a great song. Well done. Oh, my God. Ugh. That's not a Future Masters episode in the making. You can yeah, but anyway. you have to go back to the library and, like, tear out your little square. You're, you're good. <laughs> uh, but I, I support your choice as well. That's one of the best songs ever written, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Anyway. I concur. That's being said, to me, the only <laughs> way to describe my response to this is I feel like I'm in the very last scene of an off-off-Broadway play uh-huh. in which the entire cast is gathered <laughs> in a straight line at the front of the stage. They're all wearing white. They're all holding candles. And they're uh-huh. singing Silent Night while the news is being played over the sound system in the yeah. theater. And the lights are slowly fading. And over their faces. The, by the way, this is taking place, actually, in my notes, at Swarthmore. It's a, of, it's of a course. final project in the theater department. No offense, Swarthmore. Of course. And, like... 
But it's definitely happening at Swarthmore or some other college. It's definitely a college project. There are definitely four or five people on stage crying as they sing. There are three or four faculty members desperate for a smoke while this is going on. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about this. Yeah, it it is a little... And with the understanding that my mother... This was the late 60s. This was my mother's favorite artist, Simon and Garfunkel. Um, we also loved them. And mashups were not a... Th were not a thing like commentary like this that by the time even we were in college was like right and like i think if you heard this in 1968 and i've been thinking a lot lately about what it must have been like to be alive then because of this like this crazy year that we've had so much violence against african americans so many of our cultural titans dying bombings horror trump and i keep that usually my dad's like oh well the pendulum always swings back and this year he's like well yeah this is this is deeply fucked up like we're in 1968 territory with how disorienting this is like just to be an american and live in the world right so i was thinking about this and i was like i haven't listened to this in a few years and i wonder in the context of these lefty calls to action and like we you know we need to hope and change and everything else does this hold up and it's it still doesn't but i can imagine in the late 60s feeling like this was really a um this was really something new and fresh and a very effective comment on the you know the way the news was like slowly corroding our our optimism as a country now totally. it's kind of like now it's just a little cheesy but i think when it came out it was it was good it was the first of its kind i'm pretty sure well and just like in the 1970s it would have meant something very different and very powerful to stand outside in a field and sing we are gay and straight together like yes that absolutely time cannot come back so yeah i guess in a way it's like we can never be the only reason that we can look back at this and say it was naive, the only reason we can look back at anything like this and say it was naive is because it woke us up. And once we have been woken up, we can no longer be naive. But at the time, this was being performed by and for people who had not yet woken up or were just starting to wake up. So clearly we can tease it now. I think it deserves to be teased now, frankly. But at the same time, we do have to remember that when it was created, it was making people wake up and now we've been awake for so long that we don't see it the same way but that doesn't mean we have to forget that there used to be people sleeping right and that the, the matters of life and death then look look different to us now and we weren't yes. we weren't there we exactly. were um, not gay and straight together yet but now we are yes we are well shit and uh Y'all go out and hug somebody you love and maybe write a I song know. about it. <laughs> Damn. And please post it, on, post it on our Facebook page. <laughs> uh. Why don't you swing down, sweet chair, and stop and let, let me ride. Swing, swing down, chair, and stop and let, let me ride. Rock me, Lord, rock me, Lord. Come and easy, will I've got home. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. 
Please send all your song suggestions, gentle corrections, and requests for ad rate information to us via email at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, or you can tweet them at us at TogSongs. Or you could visit our Facebook page, which is Mastas.podcast. Or you could just search on Facebook for Market Sarah Talk About Songs. Today's theme song is by Jack and Laura. And if you don't mind, could you leave us a good review on iTunes? It helps our ratings and it really makes us feel great. Until next time, this has been Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.